Yeah, I know. I did. I did it. I actually did it. I've been preaching it for a month and a half, and I went ahead and did it. <laughs> what did I do, you may be asking? I registered for the Mid-America Trucking Show 2020. Hey, how you doing? It's uh, Wednesday, February the 12th, and this is the Freight Broker TV podcast. You may be listening via YouTube, maybe Freight Broker TV website. You might be uh, listening from, I don't know where you might be listening from, but if you haven't yet, you can subscribe to all of the FBTV podcast. Well, both of them, I guess, that's made available to the public. That would be this one, Freight Broker TV Morning Coffee. by going to your favorite podcast app and uh, subscribing. Freight Broker TV podcast available on iHeart, iTunes, Stitcher. What's, I can't remember them all. But your favorite podcast app, check it out. You should be able to find it there. You can subscribe. And we would love to have you as a subscriber to our podcast. Matter of fact, you can... uh, Click all the thumbs up, comments, uh, give us good ratings, kind of kind of make this uh, more publicized, if you will. Make our rankings go up in the uh, podcast ranking universe, and we can always use that. Let's uh, talk about this Mid-America Trucking Show. I've been talking about it for a month and a half, if not longer, before Christmas anyway, I bet, huh? Mid-America Trucking Show 2020 going to be happening in Louisville, Louisville, Kentucky. It's coming up March 26th through 28th at the Kentucky Expo Center. A little bit of history about the uh, Mid-America Trucking Show. Started back in the 70s, about 4,000 attendees, 83 exhibitors. It's grown to an event with tens of thousands of attendees and more than 1,000 exhibitors every year. It is the trucking show of trucking shows. There's trucking shows all over the country. But this is the trucking show's trucking show. If you're in the industry, you want to go to this event. Now, in full disclosure, I've never been. I've wanted to. When I was driving, I wanted to make it to the uh, Mid-America Trucking Show, but never could for the simple reason I was always someplace else. And to be honest with you, when I when I was driving, if I had time off, I wanted to be home. Maybe you can uh, kind of get the feel for that. You know what I mean? Maybe you understand where I'm coming from there. But anyway, I've been telling you now for the last couple of months that if you register early, registration is free. And that, that continues through February 25th. But after February 25th, You're going to have to pay. Then you're going to have to wait. It's going to cost 10 bucks to attend. So that's what I did this morning. I registered for myself and my, my lovely wife. Spelt her name wrong, but close enough. And it was a simple process. Now, for the most part, everything's free. But if you want to add the VIP badge to your, or VIP, yeah, VIP badge, to your uh, 
registration, you can. It's going to cost you 99 bucks. That's up to you. When you are registering, when you go through the process, it's going to give you a choice of what you want to register for. And I chose everything except the 99 bucks. I figure if I get there and I want to spend the 99 bucks, I will, but not yet. I was doing it for the freebie stuff. So anyway, went through registration. Somewhere I read something about something being mailed to me, but it had me print out the uh, registration things, and I did. So I don't know if I'm getting something mailed to me or not. But registration was free, and I am now registered. If you want to register, hey, do it, man. Truckingshow.com forward slash register. Matter of fact, you can just go to truckingshow.com and you'll see it. Now, what got me started down this road today is because as we get closer, more and more information is coming out about this year's MATS, as they call it, Mid-America Trucking Show. Concerts got to be moved this year for the 2020-49th edition of the Mid-America Trucking Show. will have a new location for its annual concerts. And just so you know, your freebie badge... Registration, that will be your ticket to get into the concert. Keep that in mind. But uh, this year, Matt's attending badge, well, just like I said, will serve as a ticket for the concert, which will now be off-site at 4th Street Live in downtown, beautiful downtown Louisville. <laughs> Shuttle's going to be available at the Expo Center. It's going to take you to 4th Street Live and bring you back. Let's see, as of February 10th, a couple of days ago, concert performers had not been announced, but here are some of the past entertainers, and they've had some good ones. Aaron Tipping, Craig Morgan, George Thorogood. Boy, wouldn't you have loved to have been there for that one. Jason Aldean, Gretchen Wilson, MTB, Marshall Tucker Band, heard it in a love song. But hopefully the uh, lineup should be announced pretty soon. Again, pre-registration is available at their website, truckingshow.com forward slash register. Do it now. All right. Good deal. Got that out of the way. How's everybody doing today? Tell you what, it's been kind of a wild day. The, it's 2020 election year. Things are getting really stupid, don't you think? You remember when you were a kid and you were getting ready to watch your favorite TV show and and then all of a sudden, special report. Ladies and gentlemen, the President of the United States. No, the President's on! And everything's all screwed up for the night. <laughs> you, know, that was a, you only had a couple, two, three hours at night anyway. And the President was taking up a whole 30 minutes, sometimes longer, and it was screwing up your whole night. You'd have to wait another week for your favorite TV show. Be it whatever it was. Batman. The Brady Bunch, <laughs> BJ and the Bear, that's it. But, uh, oh, and when you were young, time just went by so slow. It sounded like the president was saying, we're talking so slow. <laughs> just, oh, no matter what, you know, we only had three channels when I was a kid, and he was on all three of them. Why? Why? But anyway, anyway, now they, uh, 
<laughs> That's funny because networks, a lot of them won't even carry the president. But anyway. Hey, diesel drops 4.6 cents a gallon this week down to 291. Something else, too. While we're on the subject of, well, diesel, I mean, we're going to be talking about transportation anyway. But when I've been doing my training sessions with my clients and we get into, uh, during their training, we, we talk about uh, how to set up a trucking company with your brokerage. And I take them through and show them the CSA, the Safer Web, and things like that. Well, lately I've been saying, you know, well, we're 2020. The CSA kicked off in 2010. So we are at 10 years old for the CSA. Now, the CSA was actually developed, put into action, put into play in an effort to make trucking safer. I'll talk more about that in a minute. Did it work? Has it worked? It's 10 years old. Is the CSA actually making trucking safer? In a word, no. Did we really think it would? No. <laughs> and my thoughts on that in a minute. The latest comparable FMCSA data shows that truck-involved fatal crashes rate or fatal crash rate, rather, per 100 million miles traveled, has actually gone up from 1.14 in 2010 to 1.42 in 2017. Well, we're, you know, uh, a couple of years later, that's probably a little bit higher now. Likewise, the rate of truck-involved injuries has also climbed. It went from a 19.5 to 34.4 per 100 million miles traveled over the same period. CSA really hasn't done much of anything, and I don't really believe it was designed to. If you were around in transportation 10 years ago when the CSA came into uh, play, you probably remember all the talk behind it. How is this going to affect, you know, what, what's happening here? There's a liability shift, and that's exactly what it was. The CSA, what it actually did was it put responsibility slash additional liability on the shipper and the broker to police the industry. In other words, the FMCSA threw their hands up in the air. We can't do it. Let's, let's let the brokers and the shippers be responsible. If it doesn't work, trucking, if they choose a bad carrier, let them pay for it. Not, we're not going to waste any more time on it. If you ever notice, FMCSA pretty much gets involved after. And when they do get involved, now that the CSA is coming to play, it's going to be well, there's going to be three parties that share responsibility. You've got the trucking company, obviously, but you've got the broker, and if there is a broker, and you've got the uh, shipper. Everybody's sharing a responsibility for the actions of the trucking company, and that's what the CSA was designed to do, was make brokers and shippers pay more attention to whom... They contracted to move the loads. Now, excuse me, but this is my whole thing 10 years ago. 
isn't that really the government's job? Isn't that why? Isn't, isn't that the reason trucking companies are supposed to have authority? Isn't that the reason they have safety ratings? Isn't that the, isn't that the reason there is an FMCSA, Federal Motor Carrier Safety Administration? I mean, isn't this supposed to be their responsibility? I remember before the CSA came into play. Broker agents could approve a carrier. You know, pretty much the approval process. Yeah, we went to their website or the FMCSA Safer Web. As long as they had a satisfactory rating, everybody was happy. Everything was good. I remember uh, years ago working as an agent. It was me. Once I found a truck, I'd check him out, and it was my decision to approve or not approve. Because the trucking company was supposed to be responsible for their own actions. What the CSA did, it came into play, and uh, put some of that responsibility slash liability on the broker and the shipper. So if you think back, around 10 years ago is when uh, shippers started requiring $100,000 general liability insurance. If, you, if you're a trucking company, you want to work with that shipper, you better have the insurance. Because they didn't want something you did coming back on them. They wanted you to have that general liability to protect them. Same thing with brokers. A lot of our brokers we work with today that we consult at Tadaltoa, they require that the trucking companies that work with their brokerage also have a million dollars worth of general liability insurance. Now, a lot of trucking companies out there, they say, I've got it, I've got it. No, you've got the required auto liability insurance. We're talking general liability. You know, it's, it's you know, in the, uh, in our mentorship program, it happens every week that a, one of the agents in the mentorship program go to set up a carrier and the carrier only has auto liability. They don't have general liability and they're not able to get approved. And that's usually their, 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 I won't say argument, but, uh, you know, their disagreement is, hey, I've got I've got auto liability. Yeah, that you've got what's required to be able to get your authority, which is auto liability and cargo. Minimums for a trucking company, as far as insurance goes, is auto liability. They must have a minimum of $750,000. Cargo, a minimum of $10,000. Now, granted, you know, uh, pretty much every trucking company out there today carries a million dollars auto liability, $100,000 cargo, and they'll increase the cargo if needed, depending on the value of the load. The auto liability is not general liability. General liability protects, about, you know, pretty much against everything. Auto liability, that's eh, to get your base plates. You know, just like if you were, you buy a new car, you got to have auto liability to be able to get your uh, tag. Same thing with the truck. You know, so if you hit somebody, cause damage to somebody else's property, you know, like that. Yeah, that's where the uh, auto liability picks up. Yeah, the government wants you to have that, just like just like your car. General liability, a whole different animal. But anyway, CSA is why brokers 
really have to do their due diligence on a carrier. They just can't throw a loan on the carrier. Now, I don't know. if I, I'm sure there have been. I'm sure there has been in the past brokers that, hey, if, if the truck was running, <laughs> no matter how bad of a shape it was, the broker didn't care. As long as the truck picked up the load and delivered the load and everybody made money, nobody cared. Well, actually, that shouldn't, you know, the, the FMCSA should care. The, the states, the DOT, you know, it, it's that's what they're for, you know, to uh, check this stuff out and keep it under control. But that wasn't enough for the FMCSA. They had to start the CSA. So happy birthday to CSA. You're 10 years old and you really haven't made any difference. Matter of fact, things have gotten worse. Just like, just like with the... Uh, ELDs. I mean, what were you thinking? Yeah, we. You're. You know. Well, here. Here we go. A Tennessee trucking company just shut down. Well, they shut down January thirty first. Howard Bear, B A E R. I believe I'm. That's I've always pronounced it. I've always seen him going down the road. Howard Bear out of Tennessee in business almost seventy years. Doors January thirty first. You know why? Do you know why? Are you ready for this? If you're in trucking, you'll get this. This will not surprise you a bit. If you're not in trucking, you're going to go, come on. <laughs> they closed their door because of increasing government regulations. They're tired of it. They've gotten tired of the laws that are being passed. And this goes, you know, this goes Let's break this down. This isn't just federal. This goes into state level, too. You know, we've been talking a lot about the Connecticut tolls. Wyoming's looking at the same thing now. There's another state, uh, Rhode Island, uh, looking at uh, truck toll increases. Uh, we're going to be talking about that in a minute. I mean, it just it's, it's, it's ridiculous. It really is. Since the ELD mandate went into effect back in December 2017... Hundreds of trucking companies have gone out of business, citing increased insurance costs, softness in the freight market, government regulations, difficulty hiring qualified drivers, all reasons for closing their doors. Now, softness in the freight market, come on. Yeah, maybe a little soft, you know, seasonal. But if you're going from two to eight, if you're using 2018 as your reference, year yes it's just not as good as it was in 2018 but nothing's been as good as 2018 for quite some time 2018 is just everything came together at the right time and actually elds and helped the 2018 freight <laughs> it really did but now that everybody's adjusted everything's underway elds are a terrible idea you know, I get it. You want to be safe on the road. I get that. You know, I, I think I don't think there are very many trucking companies or even truckers or anybody in the transportation industry that uh, doesn't want things to be safer out there on the road. But the ELD, with the ELD, you've made it, you know, going back to the logbook change. When I first started driving, it was a 10-8 rule. And what was nice about it, I wake up in the morning do whatever I needed to do, start my day, you know, begin that pre-trip. Once you hit that pre-trip, you know, that that's when your day starts pretty much. But if I, if I, you know, went into the truck stop at breakfast or if I stopped for lunch or whatever and I got back out on the road 
and I got a little tired. I could pull over and take a nap, and it wouldn't matter. It just wouldn't matter. If, if memory serves me right, seems like if I did, I can't remember, this has been a long time ago, but if I was, uh, if I took a couple of two or three naps throughout the day, it kind of gave me back time. Now I'm just, now drivers are just penalized. You know, you've got that, uh, the, uh, what, 14 hours to drive 11 or something like that rule? I don't know. It's crazy. You know, I have to go back and look it over. Uh, everything's just going blank on me right now. But you're penalized. You know, bottom line, drivers are penalized. If they need to stop and take a nap because they just had a good lunch or a big supper or something, they're just sleepy. They can't do it because, well, it's going to count against their time. They're, they're, it's, just, it's just off the wall. It's just off the wall stupid anymore. And they really need to get people in Washington that, that have driven trucks. You know, we talked the other day about uh, the OIDA guy, vice president of OIDA. I think that was his name, Pew. Went to Washington and basically put it on the line to him. Let me see if I can find it here. And uh, went and talked to the Senate subcommittee. Did they listen? No. No, they're not going to listen. Yeah, I can't find it anywhere. Whoop, maybe it's over here. Here it is. Yep, here it is. Testified uh, on February 4th, last Tuesday. U.S. Senate Transportation and uh, Safety Subcommittee. Louis, President Louis, <laughs> President Louis Pio, Vice President, rather. He just uh, flat out came out and told him, hey, the hours of service rules are broken. There are hundreds of regulations that have nothing to do with highway safety. Correct. The lack of available truck parking is a national crisis. Talked about that in the uh, radio show last week. Enforcement often motivated by profit. Boy, that's no kidding. You know, it's probably, you know, no, everybody knows it. Nobody will admit to it, but, you know, everybody knows it. States have a quota. I'm sure they're telling their guys, DOT and troopers and, you know, even police officers, hey, you've got to issue this many citations, blah, 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 per month even though nobody's going to fess up to it. We all have a pretty good idea it's happening. You know what I mean? He goes on to say, if you ask most drivers what Congress has done recently to improve their profession, the answer would be simple. Nothing. <laughs> Isn't that the truth? Nothing. They're doing more. You know, they, they put people in these positions, and they just don't know what they are doing. And then they start listening to these little groups... You know, have you ever noticed the minority groups? We're not talking about people. I'm talking about groups. You know, like these these organizations get together to fight something like Pat Parents Against Tire Truckers. Well, everybody's against tire truckers, and Parents Against Tire Truckers. If it's still out there, you need to be going to Washington. You know, you're you're part of the reason there's a logbook problem. 
because you yelled, you yelled loud. Politicians scared they're going to lose votes. So, hey, you know, let's change the logbook rules. Actually, logbook rule, 10-8 rule is a lot better than what they got now, except for the 34-hour restart, which they're going to screw around and mess that up, too. But anyway, that's what I'm getting at. After 70 years, trucking companies are closing, or this trucking company in Tennessee closing. And the reason for their closure... They are saying it's government regulations. It's just too stupid. You know, back, uh, my uncle drove. And and I guess when I was a kid, you know, he'd come in for a couple of days. You know, like truck drivers do. And uh, he'd come in for a couple of days. And he was on my operator, always was. And he had a really, he could afford to do anything. I mean, he always, he had, you know, I was a kid, but he had bukus of money. He'd go out here and pay cash for a house and make, you know, he's making all kinds of money driving a truck, and that always stuck with me. And I always got in there and played in his truck, like I always told everybody, you know, it was like my big Tonka toy. Get on that CB radio and, you know, and uh, have fun. But anyway, he always had money. Now, this is before deregulation. Now, if you think about before, you know, back around that time of deregulation, fuel was what, 25, 30 cents a gallon. You know, what's sad about that, when fuel was 25, 30 cents a gallon, you know, if he's making, you know, dollar, dollar, dollar 25 a mile, hey, <laughs> you know, comparing to fuel prices now, what did I say a minute ago, 2.91 a gallon? You know, we're talking about over a $2 a gallon increase and the rates are still, uh, you know, pretty sad. I mean, you, you figure 30, 40 years ago, trucks were getting dollar dollar twenty five a mile, and down today, two fifty. We'll say two fifty, ballpark average, and two ninety one a mile or two ninety one a gallon for fuel. See the disparity? <laughs> I mean. Yeah, you got government regulations, and you got this, and then you got these states, independent states, trying to come up with ways to bring in money so they can help their state, and they know they can't go back there and tax their, you know, constituency because they'll be elected or voted out of office. I got to find other ways to get money, and what do they do? Let's go after the trucking industry. The trucking industry is now the new sin tax. For states. And if we don't start waking up to that and standing up to it, it's going to get worse. And it's going to get worse. You know, you try to tell the states, hey, this is going to come back on you. I mean, you can go ahead and raise the tax all you want to, but what's going to happen? A couple of things are going to happen. Trucking companies will go around your state. They won't travel your state unless they absolutely have to, <laughs> you know, to avoid paying that extra cost because you're going to put it. You're going to put a price that's it's going to be worth the trucking company's while to avoid your state. Nah, we don't go there. I know a lot of trucking companies won't touch California just because. They won't go out to California because it's just not enough money in it to make it worth their while compared to what can happen. You know, tow, you know tickets and... The DOT out there, uh, you know, I remember Kingman, Arizona, that's where you stopped. 
if you were going to California, man, you stopped in Kingman, Arizona. The Blue Beacon truck wash out there usually had about 20 trucks in line because they were getting ready to go to California. You knew you washed your truck. You wanted that. You wanted your truck looking brand new, you know, sparkling in the sunlight. Threw away your logbook. You bought a new one, started over, make sure everything was legal. You wanted to make sure everything was right, you know, because if you got busted in California, it was going to get expensive and you knew it. So you, you, you did things to make sure it was right. Okay, I got off on my tangent. I got off on my soapbox again. Speaking of California, all right, here's, you know, I just <laughs> talking about California, but uh, here's something in California. It'll never happen, but I thought, well, somebody in California has a little bit of sense. Uh, California bill to eliminate speed differential. Well, oh, I just getting behind it. We all will, obviously. Uh, let's see. Da, 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 da. Who is this? Assemblyman Jim Frazier, Democrat from Fairfield, has introduced a bill to authorize tractor trailers and buses to travel at the same posted speeds as other motorists. In other words, no more split speed limit. Currently, smaller vehicles traveling in the state are allowed to drive 65 to 70 miles per hour. Trucks, 55. That used to be so boring. You know, go in at uh, Arizona-California border there on 40. And man, that stretch between Needles and Barstow at 55, 60 miles an hour. Yeah. <sighs> Man, <laughs> what a, you know, what a stretch. Then they used to have the, uh, they used to have the, 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 the bear in the air out there and, uh, didn't see him. He gets you. And then next thing you know, you're getting pulled over by the CHP. Giving you a speeding ticket from the bear in the air. Used to, I used to have a scanner in my truck and it was real. I could hear him. I could hear the guy talking to the troopers on the ground. Now, scanners were and are illegal. Don't put a scanner in your truck. I think the only people allowed to have police scanners in a vehicle are people with a ham radio license. So, keep that in mind. But, uh, yeah, th th this is a good idea, but it's not going to happen. A similar bill was introduced last year uh, to raise truck speed limits to 65 just in rural areas, that didn't even get out of committee. But somebody out there has got their head on right. Now, there's a lot of stuff I wanted to talk about today, and I didn't get to. Pam Transport ordered to pay $2 million to drivers uh, in a wage lawsuit. This, now Pam's in Arkansas, my state. We're going to talk about this Friday. On the FBTV Radio Live, so you want to tune in for that. Because this, to me, is uh, opening Pandora's box. And believe me, there are a lot of people trying to open Pandora's box out there. Something else we're going to be talking about will be uh, more truck toll increases. That'll be coming up uh, during the FBTV Radio Live, that's coming up Friday, 10 a.m. You can listen to it live, or you can catch the rebroadcast via the podcast, or the FBTV Insider website, or the FreightBrokerTV.com website. So, all right. 
Don't forget Morning Coffee. If you haven't subscribed, do so. Your favorite podcast app, FBTV Morning Coffee, every morning, 6 a.m. A new episode is released. We are at the truck stop. We're having a cup of coffee together, talking about one topic, just a couple of two or three minutes. Stop by, have a cup of morning coffee with us. All right, that's going to wrap up this Freight Broker TV podcast. Go have a good day. Unless, of course, you've made other plans. We'll see you later. Thank you.